Delve into the shadows of the mind with Sleeping Dogs, a gripping murder mystery starring Academy Award winner Russell Crowe. Now available on digital. Crowe portrays an ex-homicide detective unraveling a brutal murder he can't recall. Uncovering secrets from his past, he learns a chilling truth. It's best to let sleeping dogs lie. Visit sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery to watch Sleeping Dogs, now on digital. That's sleepingdogsmovie.com slash Wondery. CarMax is putting peace of mind back in car shopping by putting you in the driver's seat to find a ride that's right for you. Because at CarMax, we believe you shouldn't just settle for a car. You should love your car. That's why every car we sell is CarMax certified quality so you can be sure with upfront pricing that's the same for every customer. So don't settle. Find love at first drive and start shopping now at CarMax.com. CarMax, the way car buying should be. Yeah, welcome back to the Yahoo Fantasy Football Forecast. I am Andy Behrens. I'm joined today by Scott Pianowski and by Matt Harmon. Uh, we have a lot to discuss and dissect in this edition of the Fantasy Podcast, uh, including uh, another high-profile quarterback entering the NFL transfer portal. Uh, again, much to discuss before we dive into the conference title games. Matt Harmon, uh, how do you propose that we get Matthew Stafford to the Washington football team? Yeah, this was this has been something I've been talking about for a little bit now. Um, I would love to see it. Uh, I have no idea if it will happen, but I also love too that I think since we talked about this idea, Washington has made the move to bring in Martin Mayhew, the general manager that drafted Matthew Stafford, number one overall in Detroit all those years ago. Now, I mean, Stafford was one of those picks that was like, okay, anybody could take Matthew Stafford, number one overall. Like he was definitely in that range of guys. Although there was some like talk back in that draft that like, oh, maybe Mark Sanchez will unseat Matthew Stafford. Yikes. <laughs> tough, uh, tough take for anyone that threw that one out there back in the day. But again, there's some connective tissue there, which, which I think makes sense. And it's just a team that's like crying, I think, for a veteran quarterback. I don't think Ron Rivera wants to mess around with a young guy. Typically, when you've got defense like this, you want to strike while the iron's hot. You don't want to mess around like Jacksonville did with Blake Bortles and just completely watch that tiny, tiny window that you had because of that defense completely evaporate, and then you're picking number one overall a few years later. So... I, I don't know. I, I It's still one of my favorite landing spots for Stafford, who is obviously, uh, as you're alluding to, officially trying to get out of Detroit. Yeah, it seems like this is definitely going to happen. He's uh, later this week, he turns 33. So this is a guy who's still at sort of the the, the back edge, if not the middle of his prime. Um, he's still great. He's still got the live arm. He would actually I was just going through his his pro football reference page, if not for the Jim Bob Cooter years. Matt Stafford would be on like an 80,000 yard, 85,000 yard pace or something like that. He, he slipped off right. of it a little bit, but he's almost certainly going to be a 70,000 yard quarterback. I just want to see him land in any spot with a with sort of a ready to go receiving course. Scott, what is your dream destination for Matthew Stafford? I don't know if they have the pieces to make it fit, but I just think about that Denver Skill position, collection yeah, of talent. That'd be fun. You know, they could get Sutton back, Judy and, and Fant, and they have some quality running backs. They don't have the quarterback. I don't know if, if they're if it makes sense for them cap wise, if it makes sense for them trade asset wise. I also think the 49ers, they seem to be ready to move on from Jimmy Garoppolo. And anytime you can get a quarterback upgrade 
for an offensive designer like Kyle Shanahan, that would be great. I think Matt hit on a key point with the Washington football team. Two things to keep in mind with football, with windows. For one thing, any team's window is almost always shorter than we think it's going yeah. to be. Yep. And when it's built on a defense, defense is not as sticky year over year as offense is, in part because of how important quarterback play is at the NFL level. So when you have a team built on defense, you really need to act while that defense is great because history tells us that those defenses just don't stay great for as long as we think they should be. So uh, Stafford, I'm just happy to see him. He's been in a bad relationship with Detroit. I mean, he's always been a good guy, good soldier, respected person in the city and everything. But it's time for him to go somewhere, you know, to go to the farm upstate, you know, we can run around and you know, play in the grass <laughs> and all that and, and Detroit can start over. So I would love to see in the expanded playoff pool uh, next year, I'd love to see Matthew Stafford actually playing some important games. And and I look forward to the uncomfortable, is Matthew Stafford really a Hall of Famer discussion that we're probably going to oh, have in five geez. or six years. You know, it's funny, too, about Stafford. Like, uh, Andy just mentioned it. Like, he went through that Jim Bob Cooter kind of area of his career where they, for whatever reason, saw Matthew Stafford as this giant arm guy and said, the thing we need to do is really dial that back. <laughs> we need to make him sort of a pop gun passer. A lot of quick passes to Golden Tate, you know, was under seven yards per attempt a couple times there. But then it was... Last season, before he got hurt, he was leading the NFL in air yards. Like, that live arm is still there. I don't understand any fan base that has that, you know, that suffered with Alex Smith last year or has gone, gone through the Jimmy Garoppolo experience. Or even if you're a Patriots fan and, like, you've got Cam Newton for a year, why you wouldn't see Stafford as, whether you think he's a top 10 quarterback or, or an elite guy, I, I don't think he's either one of those things personally, but he absolutely changes the trajectory of your franchise if you bring him in. And for fantasy, like, man, again, Terry McLaurin, Logan Thomas, Antonio Gibson, I want to love all these guys so hard next year. Mm. A guy like Stafford would really be the icing on that cake. Yeah. Great is the enemy of good, okay? Yeah. The fact that he, yes. maybe Matthew Stafford will never be great does not mean he can't be an upgrade for several teams. And we just outlined a bunch of them who would, would be immediately more interesting if they were to add a Matt Stafford. He's not exactly like a like a current era, modern era, dual threat quarterback, but he's still a, I mean, he's a what, a top three, top one arm talent, right? Like he has a huge arm. It's it's crazy that we kind of forgot about it during the Jim Bob Cooter years for the reasons that, uh, that Matt has gone through. It is bizarre that somebody decided they would take that guy, that talent, and say, hey, let's throw everything at the line of scrimmage or just beyond. But they did it for a while. Anyway, uh, I, I just kind of hope that he doesn't end up in New England because I don't want to see him with that receiving core. I'm still trying to map out a way that I can <laughs> that I can get Matt Stafford to Carolina, um, which surely would would get Matt Harmon back on the on the Panthers bandwagon. Uh, no, no, it would not. <laughs> but you speak you speak of the Patriots' skill talent. I think the only team that's probably worse off right now, the only team where the Patriots wouldn't trade everybody if the contracts would all work out would maybe be the Jets. And if you're a Denzel Mims fan, you could maybe even prefer the Jets. The Patriots have the worst skill talent in the NFL right now on offense. If we're just looking at who's actually signed on the team, it might be the team that Stafford wants to get out of. I mean, Detroit has nobody in their receiver court. They're right, yeah, yeah. Give Detroit the, the, the benefit of Kenny Galladay until he officially leaves, which we know is just a few weeks away. But yeah, um, DeAndre Swift, though, I mean, I, he'd look That's pretty true. good in a New England uniform. Yeah, Hawkinson's eye, too. 
Hawkinson too. Yeah, Hawkinson. I mean, all those Iowa tight ends. I mean, I, you know, I, I know Iowa's writing program is a little bit sketchy, but they they sure produce really really good tight ends for some reason. I appreciate you dropping in the Iowa tight end. That is, uh, that is, uh, I'm grateful. I'm grateful for that. We're going to have some, uh, some Iowa skill, well, not skill position talent, but some Iowa talent, uh, uh, making its way to the Super Bowl. Let's talk about the two championship games this weekend and let's, let's actually start. Let's start with the, I don't know, the weirder of the two games, uh, Tampa Bay and Green Bay, the first one. Uh, I guess it is, I guess it is tempting to say that this thing simply came down to, to one team making a bold decision not to kick when Tampa didn't punt on fourth at short end of the first half, just ahead of the Scotty Miller TD. And of course the other team making a highly questionable and much discussed decision to kick a field goal on fourth down trailing by eight in the, in the waning minutes of the game, uh, leaving them still a touchdown away from, from taking a lead of very curious situation um i don't i don't know that there's even any disagreement on that if anybody wants to defend the field goal they can we'll get to that in a second um it was it was not a flawless game by any stretch uh it was really good until the whole thing just sort of crash landed in the final i don't know two minutes and 30 seconds or so when everything got super weird all at once um brady was great for a half and he was really messy in the second half Rodgers passed for 346, three touchdowns, but he was sacked five times. Um, none of those sacks necessarily on him. Hardly had time to to breathe back there. I, I feel like he passed on a couple of opportunities to maybe run the ball into the end zone in the final drive, although I don't think it was a given that he was going to be able to score on either play. Uh, what else? Playoff Lenny, playoff Leonard Fournette uh, had an excellent game. Not that Green Bay's run defense is, is anything particularly particularly great. We could maybe have a where does Green Bay go from here conversation, I think, uh, because they've now lost in consecutive conference title games. Uh, Aaron Rodgers used the word uncertain about his future in a in a postgame press conference, which you kind of hate to see. Uh, Matt LaFleur did not use that word. Matt LaFleur, uh, obviously sticking with the the MVP sticking up for him. Um, it's still bizarre that that team traded up for Jordan Love in the first round. That will yeah. never not be crazy to me. Um, I don't know. Scott, pick a pick a thread and run with it. The play in this game that I'm going to remember is the final time Green Bay had the ball on third down. Rodgers drifted off to the right-hand side. He thought a throw was there, so he went for it. If he runs that ball, he's either going to score or he's going to be tackled so close to the goal line that Green Bay is going to have to go for it on fourth down. That would have been a successful play. That would have advanced the ball very close to the goal. And then the game is totally different because then LaFleur can't kick the field goal. And isn't it funny? It was just a, what, a week or two ago where the problem was that all the coaches in the league were punting when they shouldn't punt. And then we saw on Sunday, everybody was kicking field goals. You know, Sean McDermott, you know, wanted to make sure Buffalo kicked the most field goals against Patrick Mahomes. We know that's not a good idea. And this has been dunked on the death. If you, you know, Twitter had a field day with that. It was basically a layup line on, on why these were mistakes. But I can't get I've watched that Rodgers play over and over again. I'm not an NFL quarterback. I don't know how to you know relate my personal experience around other bodies with what NFL speed is like but Rodgers has been a proactive runner his whole career even in the late stages of his career so that play sticks with me I think it's interesting that you compliment Lenny Fournette and I have no problem with it 74 yards and a touchdown has become like oh Lenny Fournette looked pretty good today I mean I know it was only on 17 touches, 12 carries. I mean, I mean he, he was gave us effective. a spin move. We got a we got a, a damn spin move yeah. on Leonard Fournette. Yeah, he, he was better than uh, than Ronald Jones. We'll give him that. 
I, I will give Brady a pass for one of the interceptions. There was a third down where the there's yeah. an unblocked rusher was about to level Brady to the turf. So he just threw the ball up for grabs for Mike Evans. If the defense gets it, it's basically a punt. So, I, you know, some people are going to bash Brady and be like, oh, you know, lucky Tom Brady wins again. I, I think one of the interceptions wasn't his fault. If I can if I could just push back on that, he actually wasn't like he, there was an unblocked rusher that 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 grazed him grazed him i felt like that was brady kind of kind of preemptively flopping on that one and just lobbing the ball up so i'm not gonna to, say to be it fair, wasn't I totally call in the second game an unblocked rusher coming at patrick mahomes and mahomes just sidestepping him and then you know throwing one of those wonderful passes downfield to hill or kelsey who were difference in a afternoon. few years of age there that between the two guys on what you do in an unblocked yeah right rusher yeah. Comes. <laughs> right yeah I, I think if they had the superstars these days I, I think patrick mahomes would be a more valuable team member than brady other than the decisions that are that people are going to talk about, you know, for a long time, the thing that really stuck out to me in this game is that Tampa Bay got under Rodgers' feet. He did throw for 346, but there were the five sacks, and that's how those bogged down. When you get sacked on an offensive possession, it almost always leads to a punt, and I think that's the reason why Green Bay didn't score what you would think would be the commensurate amount of points when they had more offense. They were more effective throwing the ball downfield. I think Tampa Bay's pass rush was the main reason why the Buccaneers won this game. They beat the in the sorry Andy, but the, in secondary too, Tampa Bay also played really well, beating those guys up like off the line. You know, it's a it became sort of almost from a talking point to a punchline with the lack of skill position players like the wide receivers for. Uh, the Packers, but obviously the, some of those guys that aren't named Devontae Adams, you could clearly see them shadowing coverage to Adams, obviously like wanting Rodgers to take the other guys. And MVS made a big play. Uh, Alan Lazard could have made a big, a couple of big plays, but uh, left those opportunities on the field. This was one of those situations, and I think it comes back to um, what Rodgers was kind of talking about at, at, in the press conference. It was sort of my interpretation of it, especially after reading uh, Mike Silver's article at NFL.com. Like, sure would have been nice to see, you know, T. Higgins or one of these other guys on yeah. the other end of those passes instead of mm -hmm. Jordan Love uh, being the third quarterback all season or even in the second round, you know, maybe, maybe not have A.J. Dillon be your third running back all season. And I, I know that Mike Silver, like I mentioned in his article, he kind of interpreted it as uh, you see what, that team, the one that just beat us, did for Tom Brady all year, which was not just, oh, bring this guy in to elevate an already really good offense. Let's get even better on the margins with veteran talent like a Leonard Fournette or a Rob Gronkowski or an Antonio Brown. The Packers have not done that for Rodgers. They basically just asked him to continue to carry the load. And, hey, the results can can be great, right? He's going to win the MVP this year. Scott, you called him the MVP elect on the uh, on the uh, last episode that we talked. I've been stealing that line from you all week, by the way. Uh, shout out <laughs> to you. That's a good one. Uh, but again, it's the winning on the margins, I think, is the big reason why the Packers are staying home and the Bucks are going to yet another Super Bowl. And I, I agree with Scott on that on that interception with Tom Brady. Uh, that 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 one basically like it was a punt. If he takes the sack there, they're, they're going to punt anyways because uh, that's the range of the field that they're at. And I think Brady was freaking awesome from quarters one to the beginning of quarter three. I mean that touchdown at yeah. the end of the half to Scotty Miller, the the deep one. Uh, number one, Greg Williams was smiling at home. Uh, by the way, Mike Pettin <laughs> calling that uh, play there. You, 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 just just an embarrassing way to end the half. 
but yeah, I mean, that was the goodest throw, the good of throws you're going to see from Brady all year on Scotty Miller there. Like they don't win that game. If Brady doesn't get them a 20 to 10 lead that the defense then has to protect. Yeah. So I, I think it's just, it's, a, in, I'm not going to, I'm not going to be one of these like bitter hipsters that, Oh, we got to watch Tom Brady get us a Super Bowl yawn. I think it's actually kind of pretty cool that he's there um, in with this team. And also by the way, you know, People would like if if you picked the Bucks to to would go to the Super Bowl this year, you would have been laughed at as just like oh you're just like trailing Tom Brady whatever. But here they are, and I think it's pretty cool. I don't know. Well, it's also pretty cool that they win all three of their playoff games on the road. Yeah, and now they get to play the Super Bowl in a stadium they know very well, their home stadium, which has never happened in NFL history. The Rams did play a Super Bowl in Pasadena, but it wasn't their home stadium, and. You know, you know, Matt, how laissez-faire the L.A. fans can be sometimes. I'm not even sure that felt like a home game for the Rams and Steelers, of course, yeah. travel so well. If you told Tampa Bay before this game that there'd be 15 Devontae Adams targets and they'd only go for 67 yards, <laughs> I'm sure the Buccaneers would have taken that. And other than MVS, there was no secondary receiver. I mean, I think a big part of what Kansas City did well the last couple of weeks is get some of their ancillary pieces going. I mean, as great as Hill and Kelsey are, you need other players to play well. And I think Green Bay, I, man, I, I know the Green Bay fans and sometimes even the Green Bay media get sensitive about this, but it sure would have been nice to have a Higgins, have a uh, Chennault. There, there's been so many great skill receivers the last couple of drafts, second round, third round. Green Bay could have taken one in what was considered one of the deepest wide receiver drafts of all time. And they took a project quarterback who didn't, you know, was on clipboard headset duty for the whole season. So I think that's going to be a what if that's going to live forever. And Jordan Love immediately got some bad buzz in uh, in August, right? Like during training camp. And yeah. that is one thing that we don't expect from anyone. He was getting bad press almost right away. Um, I'm really <laughs> glad that that Matt, that you brought up the, the Mike Silver article. It's the last thing that I read before we jumped on this pod. It was a really good piece. And, and he obviously has a relationship with Rogers and I would guess that, uh, you know, wh- whatever, whatever Mike, uh, uh, suspects, uh, Aaron is thinking right now is, is based on some level of firsthand information. Um, it really like it was it, just a really well done piece. Um, how seriously should we take any of the, like, part of me just thinks, okay, Rogers, Rogers had some really, you know, glum, grim, uh, comments in, in the, in the post game, but, of course he did. It's like it's like I don't know, yeah. 30 minutes, 45 minutes after the game, it's it's a gutting loss. They surely expected to advance to the Super Bowl. They didn't do it. So, I mean, it obviously it's really clicky to to say that uh, that you're uncertain about your future. We're we're pretty much dead on certain that Aaron Rodgers is not leaving Green Bay this offseason, right? Um, yeah. No, I, I, one, I appreciate Rogers just taking some gasoline and throwing it right on the offseason content fire. Yes. Because basically now it doesn't matter whether Matt LaFleur says, look, we're not trading Aaron Rodgers. We want him here. He's our leader. Very like emotional. And you could feel that he felt that as he was saying it in the press conference. But now basically every insider is like, well, let's connect the dots here to this, that. And, and you know, again, that's like Aaron Rodgers. Shout out to you. You really. He's been making the media rounds later in his career. You know, uh, he's doing doing Instagram lives with Barstool. He's on Pat McAfee's show yeah. uh, every week and stuff. He's he's he, I think he knows what he's doing. But I I also think there's a non zero percent chance it happens. Like I, I again, there you you said it. They sort of made rebuilding type of draft picks last year. I don't think they're rebuilding. I think they want 
to reload. Or I think the temptation is uh, immediately to to say like, oh yeah, he could be traded. Like I I doubt it. I like say less or non zero percent chance, but it might be like a five percent chance. You know, it would have to be something crazy. I would be stunned if it happened. I don't think it's going to happen. But in this era of the NFL. You would have also been laughed at if uh, in week 17, people are like, uh, Deshaun Watson's going to get out of Houston. He's going to want to try to get it. And now it's like an assumption yeah. in media circles that he's played his last snap with the Texans. So I think we're just at a point in the NFL where we can't really rule anything out. If a player wants to get out, he'll get out. But I also think that this situation feels much more like exactly what you said, exactly what Mike said in the article He's probably just wanting to push his team a little more to be like, hey, he can't look, he cares about his legacy, right? Like he doesn't want to have that yeah. one in four in conference championship game stink on him. He doesn't want to be on CBS tweets next to Donovan frickin McNabb. Like that's not what, um, <laughs> you know, that's not what Aaron Rodgers thinks his career ought to look like. So I think he's probably pushing his team here to reload. Um, but again, non zero percent chance. And there's another Aaron in Green Bay we haven't even talked about. I would suspect probably the last Packer game from Aaron Jones. Yeah. 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 Almost yeah. no question about it, especially after the, the AJ Dillon pick last year. And Dillon looked good in, in part-time duty in the one game where he really got a full workload this year. Yeah. That's gotta be it for Aaron Jones. Uh, I love that AJ Dillon wears number 28 because he ri- reminds me so much of Corey Dillon, no, no <laughs> relation who also wore number 28. Hmm. I think he has the same running style and I think he's going to be, I, I think maybe Williams comes back too, but you know, A.J. Dillon looks like he could be a featured back in this league. It's, we, we know that running backs can be somewhat fungible. We know they should probably shouldn't be drafted in the first round. Dillon was a late second-round pick. But I think he has a, a very fruitful fantasy future ahead of him, which may be as soon as next year. Uh, last thing last thing about this game before we move on to, to Kansas City and Buffalo, and it's not really even about the game. Uh, just something I've been thinking about a little bit over the weekend. I, I think we've all talked at various points about how we really want to come out of fantasy drafts in 2021 with one of those dual threat quarterbacks. What are we doing with Aaron Rodgers? Like, uh, assuming he's still in Green Bay, assuming he's, uh, they they just sort of run it back. I mean, they're coming off back to back, you know, uh, appearances in the in the conference championship game. Um, assuming he still has Adams, he's got Tunyon. Uh, he's got talent at, at running back. Maybe they upgrade the the other receiver spot. Are we? Um, is he a, is he an automatic top five fantasy quarterback, or are you going to be more reluctant? He's a reactive pick for me, not a proactive pick for me. He did have three rushing touchdowns this year, so at least he's done a zero in the rushing column. But he's not the proactive runner he used to be. I would take him if a room just gave him to me at some price that seemed kind of silly. But I'm not going to draft him proactively. Yeah, I feel the same way. Basically, exactly what Scott just said. Yeah, he. Uh, I mean, at, at this at this stage, to depend on a quarterback throwing forty touchdown passes is probably a a bit much in terms of fantasy value. When I know that there's six guys out there who are probably going to run for five, six, eight, nine touchdowns because that's just what that's that's just what the kids do today. Uh, <laughs> let's let's shift over to Kansas City and Buffalo. Uh, a game that was more than anything, I would say, a coming out party for Bills kicker Tyler Bass. A uh, lot of oh field goals God. there. <laughs> four, four field goals for Bass. Two of 50 plus. Um, unfortunately, you cannot kick your way to a win against the Kansas City Chiefs. 
a total Death Star offense that put up 38 points in that thing. Yeah, I mean, you know they're going to get to 31. I can't, I can't imagine leaning on your kicker to try to beat that team. Uh, Mahomes, nearly flawless, particularly in the second half, a damn near perfect second half in that thing. He finished the game with 325 through the air, three passing touchdowns. Huge performances by Travis Kelsey and, uh, and Tyreek Hill, as I think we all expected. I like I'm I'm sad to see Buffalo go like, man, Buffalo was just such a such a an aggressive and and dynamic team all year. Allen, obviously a a revelation as a passer. They just went out on such an unsatisfying note. Um, Obviously, like Allen wasn't necessarily at his absolute best in the title game. He threw a pick. He tried to throw one or two others. Took a, I believe it was it a thirty-four yard sack. It was a hell of a sack. Um, it was thirty-plus yard sack. That's yeah. bad. All that. Um, he's still just twenty-four years old. He's twenty-four years old. It feels like we're going to see a bunch more high stakes Chiefs Bills games over the next decade or so. I love that this thing ended with bad blood between linemen on each side. I oh, yeah. love that there is a budding like hardcore rivalry here. Um, I don't know. Re- really fun game. Oddly played, but uh, but super satisfying. You know, if the Chiefs win the championship, I could see the Buffalo-Kansas City game being the leadoff game next year. Yeah, it would be a really true. good Thursday night opener. Even though the Buffalo offense is always going to be about throwing the ball, and that's what the modern NFL is, I think they miss Zach Moss. I, I think they need to have some kind of show me. It doesn't have to be their primary pitch, but I, I thought they relied too much on the pass the last couple of weeks. And they had a really unusual playoff. Maybe the Colts could have or should have beaten them a few weeks ago. That Baltimore game in the win where Buffalo only had 220 yards of offense. Allen had some good moments, some bad moments. Right for 88 yards in this game, by yeah. the way. I mean, he was yeah. certainly leaving nothing. That was a fun prop. If you had the his rushing props, it was anywhere from 30 to 40 rushing yards, and he just smashed that oh, immediately. <laughs> um, because offense has more continuity in defense, I would think Buffalo is back in the playoffs next year. They're certainly the AFC East favorite, although you know, Miami's coming up strong. It won't be a, a zero, I don't think, as long as Belichick is there. They do need to solve their quarterback. But also, I want to mention Kansas City. I, I was screaming for, for weeks. They need something more than Hill and Kelsey. And although Hill and Kelsey put on a clinic, we saw another splashy uh, play from McCole Hardman, a 50-yard run. Daryl Williams, I think, is the best running back in this team right now. They'll figure out Clyde Edwards-Alaire someday. But I, I would think if I'm in any kind of playoff contest, I, I would want Daryl Williams to be their primary back in the, in the Super Bowl. I, I like that he gets whatever's blocked. I don't need him to break off 20-yard runs. Just get me the 5-7 to seven if it's there. You know, you mentioned, uh, Andy, about the bad blood between Bills and Chiefs linemen. You know, um, Stefan Diggs, like, hanging out to the end of the, oh, the yeah. celebration on the field. Like, just, you got to respect the guy who wants to twist a knife himself uh, while it's already stuck in him, I, I guess. But, look, yeah, I love, like, maybe a potential um, – I mean, listen, we got a long way to go for uh, – I mean, we got a long way to go for Mahomes to be Brady. Freaking Brady's 43 years old back in the Super Bowl. We got a long way to go for Josh Allen as Peyton Manning, but like a potential young budding rivalry between two transcendent quarterbacks playing at the height of their powers coming off of 2020. That's pretty exciting. I could easily see, uh, I, I could easily see some sound bites on TV like, the Bills won't forget what the Chiefs, you know, beat them around last uh, playoffs and, <laughs> and, you know, like a calendar year from now as these two teams are right back here in the AFC Championship. I got no concerns about Buffalo. I, I like what Scott mentioned. You know, we, we kind of criticized the 
uh, the LA Rams for, well, some people did. I don't really care enough about this, but you know, they took Cam Akers in the second round after taking Daryl Williams in the third round. I could see Buffalo taking yet another shot on uh, day two or early day three at a running back, even though they just took Devin Singletary and Zach Moss, take another shot at it with running backs. Cause if, if you get a cheap guy that hits in his, in year one, why not? So I could see them as a potential landing spot for another running back. Even if you like Zach Moss, or you really liked him as a prospect a year ago. Uh, I don't think he showed enough that you just got to lock him in as their starting running back. So no concerns about uh, the bills at all uh, and hell of a run. And, and I'm going to miss, I'm going to miss watching them too, but Kansas city, I mean, what do you do? It's just at this point, it feels inevitable, you know, that, that they, that they take you down like this. And it is just such a shame that the bills decided to kick those field goals and that we have to talk about this. I mean, yeah. I, I just think this team puts you in, in binds both on the field. And I think mentally, like, I think there's probably an old school coach buried deep within Sean McDermott. I think all coaches probably struggle with this because this is what we've just done forever. Uh, mm-hmm. You don't face like the, all that ingrained football knowledge, all the fear of a bad outcome from doing something uh, that's unpre or like not like against the grain or not normal. I think that comes up and bites these coaches and they just think, shoot, 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 shoot. All right, just kick it, just kick it, just kick it uh, in that moment. And <laughs> you're obviously paid, you're obviously paid to not, make those suboptimal decisions. But at the same time, I get it that we're, this is why uh, it would be great to have someone in the booth. I love Romo, but I, I'm going to criticize him for like kind of trying to talk himself into taking those, those points or whatever. Um, I, and this is why we do this on Twitter is like drag these guys. Cause at some point we have to move the conversation forward beyond all this ingrained football stuff that the coaches are still doing. Um, it's a shame that the bills, went out that way uh but my god i i i love watching the chiefs i don't think it's going to get old for i don't i hope it does i hope i don't ever become one of these crotchy folks it's like oh this is boring to watch them be this great it's not even it's just just like not normal it's insane it it was actually nice to watch mahomes play such a clean game on a day where brady threw three interceptions rogers took a lot of sacks yeah in that green bay game Allen had a couple of picks that were dropped you know had an up and down game for him that Mahomes played again. I don't know how we could critique what Mahomes did. And in the case of McDermott, as you said, because he's from a different era, I think he he was raised on the idea that, like, you score in the mid-20s, you're probably going to win. When yeah. you go and play Kansas City and Patrick Mahomes is doing his thing, you need to maximize as many points as you can get. And three points just isn't going to do it. You, you need to – and if you don't make it, so what? At least you took your swing. You, you have to try to get to 30-plus to be – beat the Chiefs, and I don't think Buffalo took their best swing at it. And, and man, I, I wasn't even sure T.J. Yeldon was still in the league, and there he was, you know, becoming their pass catching back. <laughs> All the more mean. ammo for Matt. You know, he talked about maybe them taking a swing at a, at a running back in the middle of the draft this year. I mean, I think a lot of teams are, are leaving easy yards on the field. If they can get a versatile back or a, a somebody who can catch the ball in the flat, plays that break down, a lot of times they become quarterback runs in, in today's football, but if you can find somebody who can be versatile, catch the ball, and get some of those cheap yards, you think the way the Saints have lived for years, the Patriots a lot of times do that type of thing. You know, Christian McCaffrey, it's a big part of his game. I would love to see that type of player on the Buffalo offense. It, it feels like Buffalo might just become a, a destination spot for uh, for free agents now because that like yeah. that looked fun all year. Like That was a big rolling party all year. And I can easily imagine if you're a free agent wide receiver wanting to be a part of that. Like, I don't I, I don't know what changes in their receiving core. Um, are, They're keeping are, the offensive coordinator too. Brian Dable, yeah. it sounds like, is mm-hmm. going to be running back too. 
Yeah, that thing is really fun. They may they may make John Brown a, a salary cap casualty, but man, what a landing spot for for any any wideout out there. Yeah, I mean they have Gabe Davis too, so he could be the guy that steps in for Brown, who has who yeah. had health troubles this year. Um, and look, yeah, you're right; it could become a destination spot because John Brown career year last year with uh, Josh Allen. Uh, yep. Cole Beasley, career year this year. Stefan Diggs, career year this year. Obviously, Josh Allen, I think, is just reaching the beginning of his rise to his apex. So, yeah, I mean, look, what about like a, a, a Dawson Knox shows some flashes, but they could be a spot for for a tight end. I don't know that you see one out there in free agency that you're just clamoring for, but, you know, maybe an athletic guy. There, there's potential for this offense to not just sit on their hands, but to continue to add pieces like the Chiefs have added you know they they went after Sammy Watkins despite having Tyreek Hill and Travis Kelsey. Obviously, that has been hit or miss. McCole Hardman is now part of the mix. They they take Clyde Edwards-Alaire just for the simple thought of okay, let's add a skill position guy. Who cares if we're using Daryl Williams on the march to the AFC Championship? I don't think this pick <laughs> is going to make or break us. But yeah, I, I I love I love that sort of model for the Bills to go after. And um, also, just shout out to. Um, Shout out to Steve Spagnolo too, like a, a defensive coordinator hire that was kind of laughed at by a few people uh, back when yeah. it happened. I, I think he's been like the perfect, perfect type of defensive coordinator for this team, which is that's not always going to be the perfect defense, but they do just enough to absolutely wreck shop at the perfect moments and put chaos onto guys like Josh Allen. And I mean, it's easy to play defensive coordinator and like just pin your ears back and go hunt the quarterback when Patrick Mahomes is on your side of the field. But yeah, I, I think that Spags deserves a little love. Um, let's maybe never give him a head coaching job again. We probably don't need to run that <laughs> experience back, but he's, he's had a nice little, um, nice little spot here with, as the chiefs defensive coordinator. I'll say this for Dawson Knox. If they don't add a tight end, and, and as you mentioned, maybe they will, and there's a good case that maybe they should. But if they don't, five touchdowns last nine games, he'll be one of those guys. When I'm doing my MFLs and best balls, and, yeah. you know, and of course you can draft best ball on Yahoo, as you know now, and I'm looking for that second or third tight end who could maybe have a seven or eight touchdown season, even if it only comes on 450 yards. I think Dawson Knox would be... He's going to be a top 20 tight end for me next year. Let the record show that there was oh once a college football team with Dawson Knox, DK Metcalf, and A.J. Brown, and they went five and seven. That happened. That was a, <laughs> that was a thing. That was a real thing. That was a thing. Um, I, don't know, I don't know what happened to that Brown and Metcalf guy. I, you know, <laughs> Did they end up being basketball players or something? I haven't heard from them recently. Hey, hey shout out to A.J. Brown, who probably needed surgery in September and decided to play the whole season yeah. anyway and have a Pro Bowl season. That's just ridiculous. Unbelievable, yeah. Before we before we jump into a little bit of a mini Super Bowl preview here and start talking about uh, about the the early line for the game, uh, the over under and whatnot, let's uh, let's stick in the Bills division because I feel like we got to shoehorn in maybe a little bit of a Deshaun Watson discussion. Uh, reporting seems to have coalesced around the idea that he wants to go to the Jets. Uh, correct me if I'm wrong. That that interesting seems- choice. Yes, it is an interesting choice. Uh, the best receiver on the roster right now. I don't know, depending on what you think of Denzel Mims long term. Uh, Jameson Crowder, it's not exactly some rich receiving core. You probably have to trade your next draft, maybe the draft after that for Deshaun. Obviously, you got to trade Sam Darnold in that thing, too. Um, let's say, let's say this actually comes to fruition. He lands with the Jets. Now the Jets would of course also be a bit of a, a destination for free agents. That would be yeah. pretty interesting spending the next four or five years with Sean Watson. Um, 
It probably takes a little bit of the shine off Deshaun Watson fantasy wise, but but how far would he drop? Would he drop it all for you? Um, it depends on what else they they do because you mentioned like it, it right away it would seem okay. Deshaun is going into yet another spot where he's going to be great, but the team is going to kind of stink and they're going to be yeah. very limited in terms of their resources, which is exactly the type of situation he finds the, himself in right now. Beyond the fact, I mean, it's just, it is beyond parody that the Texans might lose a young franchise quarterback, like their first legit franchise quarterback ever, simply because the damn owner is basically just like telling everyone, deal with it. You know, Jack Easterby is going to be like the the weird culture coach or character coach or whatever the hell his title is. It is that is beyond parody. Uh, I saw somebody joking that, like, imagine if you played like franchise mode or something on Madden and you just um, it spit out like an alert to you. (laughs) Hey, um, sorry, but you have to trade your franchise quarterback because he doesn't like the character coach that you won't fire. You'd throw the game out of the window. (laughs) (laughs) <laughs> you'd scream you'd scream for years you'd smash the 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 xbox or ps5 or whatever your preferred system is it's just again it is beyond parody but i think that's sort of the appeal of the Jets situation apparently people just really want to play for robert sala and that's a talking point because i know richard sherman's been very public about it i wouldn't be surprised if richard sherman himself finds himself uh, in new york mm-hmm. the, you know in a couple in a couple of days but at the same point at the same time here the Jets do have an abundant uh, amount of cap space, and this is a great free agent uh, class as well. So, you know, they could easily – great, Deshaun Watson's there. Let's recruit an Allen Robinson or a Kenny Galladay or a Chris Godwin, um, Curtis Samuel. Some of these guys are probably going to find their way back to their own teams. But at the same time, they would immediately become a destination spot, as you mentioned, Andy. And then you start to look at, okay, well, they have Quinn and Williams, Mekhi Becton. Um, Crowder is like a very fine slot receiver. Mims might have some potential. And then you can start to squint at it and see, all right, this is what teams really got to build at this point. Like you got to find a head coach that people want to play for and, and um, really go all out uh, and, and give it all for. And that might be the appeal here. And the key is that they hired the right head coach seemingly. Right. I, I think the jets can very quickly fix this. As Matt mentioned, the, the cap, room that they have. They actually have an, an, over, an excess of, of draft picks. They made the Adams trade with Seattle. Mm. And Sala, getting Sala right, he's somebody who's going to win the interview room and is going to have the type of personality where the media is not going to be against him in 10 minutes like it was with Adam Gase. I mean, maybe Adam Gase could be a competent X's and O's coordinator. I'm I'm not saying it's, it's impossibility, but he didn't have the right personality and the right just kind of temperament to succeed in this market, Salah is going to win where Gase didn't personality-wise. And that's a big part. You're the CEO of the franchise, basically. You're the face of the franchise along with your quarterback. And just Gase was such a poor fit. Salah is a great hire for them. And I, I think the Jets are going to turn this around pretty quickly. I think they will be a playoff team, if not next year, probably not next year, but the year after that. I think you'll see the Jets back in the playoffs, in part because the NFL is a snow globe league. But they have all sorts of things in line. The dots are all connecting. The only thing that makes me sad about Watson going to New York, I, I just don't want him going back to Houston. And the last I checked on BetMGM, that was actually the uh, the even money favorite was him remaining in Houston. Oh, I'm really so – my heart is set on Watson going anywhere else. And I still think the best fit would be Miami. If they could get Houston interested in Tua, 
the, the changes that Flores has made with the culture there. They were just about a playoff team. You're one game away or one result away from being in the playoffs. They have really good defense. Skill talent's interesting. I wouldn't say it's great, but it's interesting. So I, I'd rather see two in Miami, but two in New York, you could talk me into it because, again, as Matt was outlining, all the resources are really lined up here. This is a franchise on the way up. I'd, I'd just like to mention that on top of everything else that's going wrong in Houston, they have a terrible cap situation, too. So, terrible. Like, they they make this awful— Nor do they have their number one pick, too. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. They make this awful Hopkins-David Johnson trade. They they probably have to cut David Johnson as a cap casualty. Like, you know, it's, it, like it's no guarantee that, that he's back, even though he had, like— They probably have to probably, cut Brandon Cooks, the guy that was just supposed to be their replace, yep. replacement— they don't even have Will Fuller signed to a contract next year. What, I mean, DJ's into his age 30 season, so that's actually probably the right move to, to move on from him anyway. But, yeah, those receivers, you're Brandon Cooks. He's already tied the record for 4,000-yard receivers a seasons on four different teams. I, he may be he, he may pass Brandon Marshall and become the first receiver to do it with five different teams. He's one of the most well-traveled receivers in history. Um, but Ful, is Fuller still – his suspension will still go into next year, I guess. Um just get Watson. Can the league just step in and say, like, you know, put Deshaun Watson in some supplemental draft or something? Get this guy <laughs> out of Houston. Scott, they don't even have to do it. The, the, the Texans aren't even putting up a fight. I mean, yep. they won't fire their culture coach. What is that even? I mean, what is a culture coach? I, I mean, we talked about I believe in culture and all that stuff, and it's a talking point. But, again, it's just beyond parody. This, it's, I mean, it's, Deshaun honestly, Watson is your culture, right? Like, Yeah, you're – He's not even like a problematic, like Watson's not even like a problematic figure. You know, like the, the people of Houston want to march the damn streets for him. You will find nobody, you will find nobody to speak ill of Deshaun Watson. Yeah. He's well, well loved and respected on and off the field. When there's been some tragedy in the Houston area, some natural disaster, he's been the type of guy rallying along with J.J. Watt, raising funds, giving back to the community. I mean, He's a perfect, and he's still at a young age. He's the perfect face of any franchise. Yep. I've met Watson, too. He is so boring, which is what these teams <laughs> covet. They want the snoo- – like, I mean, there was – there's just he's, – he's, he's a great guy. Like you said, super nice. But, man, not going to give you, like, a controversial quote or be this guy that demands the, the spotlight or attention or whatever. Um, it's just – like I said, I can't say it enough. It is beyond – parody what is going on in Houston right now. All right, we're going to dive into the early betting angles on the Super Bowl. Um, as always, this week's odds, they are from our friends at BetMGM who have a deal going on right now. New users get $25 in bonus dollars upon registration. No deposit required and can be used immediately and receive a 100% deposit match up to $1,000 with their first deposit. Sign up at BetMGM.com slash Yahoo. Use the promo code Yahoo when you make your first deposit. Promotion valid for new users in New Jersey, West Virginia, Indiana, Tennessee, Colorado, Iowa, and Scott. Scott, now Michigan, uh, and uh, users that are 21 years or older. Terms apply. I am fully with Matt Harmon in my excitement for a Tom Brady-Patrick Mahomes Super Bowl. Obviously, that is an oversimplification of it. It is not exactly Tom Brady versus Patrick Mahomes, but this is like this is like the, I don't know, Kobe-LeBron finals that we never got in the NBA. This is just an incredible pairing. Um, super excited for it. The early line is, uh, I 
feel like it opened with Kansas City at three and a half, but uh, this morning it was Kansas City favored by three. The 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 total in this game is fifty five and a half, which is which is gorgeous. Um, that is going to make for a phenomenal game. I assume they reach it. Um, these teams actually just met in the regular season in late November in a game in which. Uh, Tampa Bay was presumably uh, disabused of the notion that Tyreek Hill could be contained by single coverage. <laughs> that did not work. Uh, Tyreek Hill had 200 receiving yards in the blink of an eye. He was he was brilliant. Three long touchdowns. He finished with 13 catches, 269. Mahomes over 400 passing yards in that thing. But uh, Tampa clawed back and and made it a three point margin at the end. It's a 27 24 game. Really fun. Uh, we have a, we have, I probably should have mentioned it in the, in the Buffalo Kansas city recap, the biggest injury coming out of the weekend was Eric Fisher left tackle of yep. the Kansas city Chiefs. So this, uh, I mean that it's hard not to look at the, the Tampa Bay defensive front, which is great and full of brand name players as a considerable mismatch against, uh, against Kansas city's offensive line, but you've got Patrick Mahomes. He's a wizard. Uh, I can't wait for this thing. I don't know. Matt Harmon, your thoughts on this game. Yeah, Kansas City's also been playing without its stud right tackle, Mitchell Schwartz, for a long time, too. So that's going to be very problematic against that edge-rushing duo of JPP and Shaq Baird, who haven't been on fire all year, uh, but were obviously on fire dropping Rodgers five times between the two of them last week. So we could see plenty of those again. I mean, those guys are tough to tough to defend for sure when they're hot, and they're hot right now. So I think that is a big mismatch in Tampa Bay's favor, but... Scott mentioned it, you know, some of the elusiveness that Mahomes brings to the table over a guy like Brady or even Rodgers, especially Brady, but even Rodgers at this point in his career. Again, the not normal nature of this player, he was making defenders miss in the backfield and then, you know, getting first downs, not like, oh, let me just get the ball out real quick or throw it away or just just live to fight another play. You know, he does. That's just stuff that just, just doesn't happen. That's not normal football. You know, we, we don't see guys doing stuff like that. So uh, it could be, uh, I think it will be a disadvantage obviously for the Kansas city chiefs, but hard to ever be at truly at a disadvantage when Patrick Mahomes is your quarterback. Uh, we'll see. We'll probably get Antonio Brown back for this game. We'll maybe get Chris Godwin back for this game. You know, uh, Godwin played it really well last uh, yesterday against the, uh, against the Packers. He had one drop and then Brady, of course, like just making my heart flutter because you know, this is the way I believe in things like Godwin has the drop next play, throws him a 50 yard bomb, uh, which was another great throw by, uh, by Brady down the field to a guy he obviously trusts. Godwin's also sport. The reason he's dropping passes is he's sporting a broken finger. You know, he's been playing with that uh, for, for a long time. Maybe he's a little healthier. Scotty Miller. I, it kind of, I mean, I hate to I hate to give uh give Aikman and, and Buck too much grief about this, but you know, they they um they said something about Scotty Miller, you know, oh. look, Brady's Brady's made made a career out of playing with guys that look like um Scotty Miller. I'm like, if you're literally making like a skin color joke about Scotty Miller being white. Sure, I guess you nailed that one, but Scotty Miller is not Julian Edelman or Wes Welker. Right. Like this guy, when, they, when remember when Scotty Miller first got to Tampa Bay, pre Antonio Brown, pre uh, even like Chris Godwin fully breaking out, it was uh, Bruce Arians comparing him to John Brown, and that's been sort of the player that Scotty Miller's been is a, is a vertical threat for this team. Uh, obviously, there's a lot of. Um, chaos that that spags and these guys for the chiefs can create but 
that secondary still and Tyron Matthews back there is a great player, but that's uh, uh, Sneed, the cornerback for the Chiefs, also got hurt, banged up a little bit against the Bills too. So this, I don't think the secondary carries any sort of advantage in covering these guys, especially if AB gets healthy. Miller is fully involved. Evans, uh, you know, he had one pass go off his hands or whatever that Brady missed high when Brady almost never misses high, but Brady misses him high. Evans is playing really well, played great uh, against the Packers. Like, I think this this Bucks receiver core could be right back at its peak after kind of suffering through some injury issues, too. Yeah, I look at this matchup, and Andy alluded to it. We were on Flipper Anderson watch in Week 12 <laughs> when these first teams first met, where you know he holds the NFL record for receiving yards, 336. It, it's been a bulletproof record. It's taken all sorts of – people have fired at that record – yeah. Plenty of times in, in an age where it's never been easier to throw the ball, but Flipper Anderson stands alone nonetheless. In this game, the first time, it seemed like if the Chiefs really wanted that record, they could have gotten it. Maybe they took their foot off the gas, and Kansas City gave up the cover late with two cosmetic Tampa Bay touchdowns. Mahomes threw 49 passes in that first meeting. He took two sacks for six yards. If you're going to have anything close to a similar uh, replication in the Super Bowl, the, the Buccaneers can't win. They need to make Mahomes uncomfortable. I mean, it's great if you sack him, but they need to hit him. They, they need to be physical with him. They need to try to get him out of his rhythm. But the, the problem with Mahomes is that I have never seen a player who's more comfortable throwing from off-platform. If it needs to be a sidearm throw, if it needs to be an against-his-body throw, if it needs to be a total arm throw with no lower body movement whatsoever, he can make all those throws and he can make them accurately. It's just ridiculous how many times he can't make the overhand throw because somebody's hands are up. He's like, okay, I'll just dip down to 45 degrees and I'll throw a perfect pellet to to Travis Kelsey and and we'll move the chains. It's it's ridiculous. I, I felt like I had a hill prop in the AFC championship game for him to score a touchdown. And I thought Hill was dominant in this game and had like five almost touchdowns. Unfortunately, I'm, I'm going to the book trying to get a cash on an almost touchdown. They don't observe that as a touchdown, (laughs) unfortunately, but Hill Hill and Kelsey were just unstoppable in that game. Todd Bowles has had a a great year as the Tampa Bay defensive coordinator, and he'll probably be a head coach again pretty soon. Maybe not this cycle, but I think he's probably just a cycle away from getting another shot. Well-deserved. But he's got two weeks to try to figure out how to stop Kansas City and an offense that's found a running back with some consistency with Williams. And I really like how they've used McCole Hardman the last two weeks. I think the line's in the right place. I'm leaning Kansas City, not an official pick yet. We'll have time to make those between now and the game. But um, I, I don't know if anybody has the right conventional pieces to stop Kansas City when, they, when all of their skill talent seems to be peaking at the right time. I guess I agree with you in that if you are going to hold Kansas, I mean, it seems ridiculous to suggest holding Kansas City to 30 points or less, but if you're going to do it, it probably comes in a situation where you're able to both get heat on Mahomes and not have to blitz him ever, right? Which maybe they fall into that because they've got a, again, like Tampa's defensive front, really good. uh, And if there is a weakness for Kansas City right now, it is probably the offensive line. Um uh, again, more than anything, I'm just really looking forward to this thing. Scott, are you leaning? Are you leaning over on this one? Uh, if 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 it sticks at at 55 or 56 points, Man, that's such a huge number. I would it's have a huge to number. Under. Yeah, you know, nobody remembers this game, but I think of a team that actually defended Kansas City reasonably well for about half, maybe three quarters. Was the first time they played the the time they played the Patriots, and what Newton didn't mm. play in that game. I thought Belichick had some really interesting things where he had some hybrid defenses where it's part man, part zone co- coverages. And 
I think the idea it's incumbent on Tampa Bay because you're not going to beat Patrick Mahomes with with some kind of straight up defense. I think you have to try to just throw exotic looks at him and confuse him. You maybe you, you blitz him, you're going to get cream, but maybe you can try some different things where you have the pass rush coming from areas he's not expecting and you take the chance of throwing a non-traditional person into coverage just for a second or two and hope that that doesn't blow up in your face. Unfortunately, Kansas City has a bunch of blow up in your in your face offensive talents. But I would go if I were the Bucks, I would go to school on what Belichick did for about two or three quarters in Kansas City where they did hold down the Chiefs to far under what we would expect their normal offensive output to be, but you're not gonna you're not gonna beat Patrick Mahomes for a full game. You just have to hope to win every once in a while. All right, we've got plenty of time uh, over the next couple of weeks to to preview this thing, uh, take every possible angle on what should be a really really fun Super Bowl. In the meantime, if you're looking for additional podcasts, we have those at Yahoo Sports. Uh, check out the Yahoo Sports NFL podcast with Charles Robinson and Therese Paler. Check out the Yahoo Sports College Pod with Dan Wetzel, Pete Thamel, and our good friend Pat Forty from SI. And check out the Post It Up with Chris Haynes podcast. Uh, he's talking all things NBA. There's plenty going on in the NBA right now. Follow us on Twitter at Yahoo Fantasy. I am at Andy Barons. That right there is at Scott underscore Pianowski and Matt Harmon underscore BYB. We will be back next week with just a full-on Super Bowl preview and the Super Bowl prop show. Until then, we are out. Look around. You can find cars like these on AutoTrader. Like that car riding right your tail. Or if you're tailgating right now, all those cars doubling as kitchens and living rooms are on AutoTrader too. Are you working out and listening to this ad at the same time? Well, multitasking pro, cars like the ones in the gym parking lot are for sale on AutoTrader. New cars, used cars, electric cars, maybe even flying cars. Okay, no flying cars, but as soon as they get invented, they'll be on AutoTrader. Just you wait. AutoTrader.